chapter four, we know that Jesus was just baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. By, during that time, he was tempted by the devil on three specific occasions. The enemy came to him. I want to remind you, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was not led into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led, in the wilderness, led into the wilderness to overcome on our behalf. He had to be tempted so that he could overcome, but he was led by the Spirit there. Jesus did not compromise one time. He was hungry, he was alone, but he did not sin. And I think it's important that we realize as we read this passage that Jesus went there to overcome. That's exactly what he did. He overcame the devil, he overcame sin, and he did that for us. And now we read as Jesus comes out of the wilderness, out of this 40-day period, and it says this in verse 14, Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogue, and he was praised by all. And he came and he stood up, or sorry, he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had been brought up, and as was the custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written, and that's Isaiah 61. I've read this to you recently in a weekend service. And he says this, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book, or the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and just picture this, all of the eyes of those in the synagogue were now fixed on Jesus. And he began to say to them this, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all that were there were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? How can he say this? In fact, we could ask the question, why is he saying this? I don't know if you know this or not, but when he quoted from Isaiah 61, he's talking about a word that was given by the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah was prophesying freedom over God's people who were under siege by the Assyrian Empire. I want you to think about that there's a context that this prophecy was originally written. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, were under siege. They were being attacked. And the prophet Isaiah, by the word of the Lord, says to them that there is going to come a time where you're going to be free. And there was a time where they were free in 681 BC. They were actually set free. This prophecy, to a degree, was fulfilled. And so here comes Jesus. And 700 years later, Jesus picks up the scroll and he reads the same prophecy that was already partially fulfilled. They thought fully fulfilled among the Jewish people, and he says the same thing to those that are listening to him then, and it, guess what? It's echoing to us today. And he says these very words to them, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me, and he goes on, and he said, today, this scripture, not 700 years ago, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. How could this be? 
How could it be true then and be true now? And guess what? Still true today. How could that happen? Well, Jesus can make this happen because the world is still in bondage to sin. Like many prophecies in the Bible, there's a double meaning. There's a natural, practical application, as it were, and then there's a spiritual application that remains true. We in the world are in bondage to sin. We're in bondage. Sin is our oppressor. Sin is our slave master. Sin is over us, and Jesus came to bring freedom. This is what he was going to do. And so he proclaims what he's about to do, and then he literally goes out for three years, and he starts doing what? Healing the blind, casting demons out of people, proclaiming the kingdom, all the way to the point where he gives his life, and he dies upon the cross, and he rises again on the the third day. But for three years straight, he ministered in power. This is what he said he would do. It's exactly what he did. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments that I have three levels or three aspects of freedom. Freedom that Jesus not only brought, but he brings. Freedom that he not only brought, but that he brings. Number one, we are called to receive freedom. He says this, there's four categories of people in this passage. The poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. The poor are those who are in need. Some of us are are those, the captives, those who are bound and helpless. Well, in sin, that's all of us. The blind, those who are physically ill, the outcast, the wounded, the sick, and the oppressed, those who are broken, those who are burdened by others, those who can't get out from under that with the heavy hand of another that is, that is seeking their demise. All of these mentioned are living in a type of captivity, and and I want to tell you, he brings freedom to the captives. We can have freedom from captivity. I don't, I'm sure you've heard of this term before, but have you ever heard of how, you know, we as human beings, we bring animals into a zoo, and we bring them out of the wild into captivity. We call it captivity. And then every now and again, if you're watching National Geographic, which I'm sure all of you do regularly, nightly, you probably watch National Geographic, okay? And it says that sometimes they'll take an animal that is wild out of the captivity that they've been in, and they'll release them into the wild. Okay, the zoo, I mean, I sort of feel a little depressed when I go to the zoo. I know kids love it, and they think it's great, but like, they're not meant to be in these cages, you understand? That's not what they were born for. And they're more depressed than we are. They don't hunt, they wait for food. They sit there. That's why they get lazy. That's why the lions and the tigers never do anything because they sleep all day, right? It's like you know, three quarters of a day. But, but they're not meant to be captive. It's strange to take something out of the wild and put it into captivity to be entertained by us human beings. It's a strange thing. It's a, I mean, we do it. Now, I'm I'm ruining your zoo experience. I know. I know I am doing that. And you have your yearly pass. And you're like, Pastor Ben, don't do this. And some of you have your kids sitting next to you. And and you're going to rebuke on the way home everything that I just said. But just listen to me for this point. My point is, just like you take a wild animal out of its original environment where it belongs, and you put it into a cage, and it's not meant to be there, and it changes the way the animal thinks it changes the way the, the, the way the animal actually is, the, the way that it perceives. Its instincts get numbed. What the animal has, even what God gave to that animal for survival, those things actually dry up and get numb because it wasn't created to be there. In the same way, you and I were not created for bondage. 
And God wants to release us from captivity and release us back into the created order that he made for us to walk in, for us to be like Jesus. Jesus walks into the synagogue and he looks all of these people in the face and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has called me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set He sent me to proclaim release of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set those who are oppressed free and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He looks them all in the eyes and he's giving his mission statement. This is who I am. And this is what I do. Jesus Christ is passionate about our freedom. He doesn't want us walking around damaged by life, broken by the systems or the structures or the people or the sins or anything else in life. Whatever has happened to us, he does not have bondage for us in our future. I want you to cancel your plans to be miserable, and I want you to wake up to what Jesus has paid for tonight. He has called us for a glorious freedom. He does not want us to be bound. Friends, I'm talking to people that have been stuck that have struggled and that have suffered. I am telling you, I know some people make a doctrine out of suffering. This is just my lot in life. It's supposed to be terrible. Listen, I'm not saying we're not gonna suffer in life. I'm not saying we're not gonna have struggles. I am saying we're not called to be bound by sin or the sins of others or the sins that we commit. Jesus paid for those. That oppression is broken in the name of Jesus. Jesus gave his back. It says, by his stripes, we are made whole. When he gave his back, he was giving it for us to be free. He wasn't playing games. 39 times he was lashed. He was unrecognizable. And it was because he was looking at us in the face. And he was saying, I've come to set the captives free. And I'll give myself to it. I'll turn my back to it. I will let you take, I will let you take my life so that I can give life. I want to give your life back. Jesus wants to give your life back. He doesn't want us to be bound in in any way whatsoever. He wants us to be free, delivered, healed, strong. This is who he is. It's what he's like. He's always like this. You don't even have to wonder, is Jesus this way? Friends, when I lay hands on people, I never ask, Lord, is it your will to heal or to deliver or to set them? I never ask that question because every time I read the gospel, it's what I see him doing. And so I'm just gonna follow what I see. And I'm following the the places that he went, the things that he did, what he said. And so for me and and for our house, man, we're going to contend to the end. Wherever we're not free, we're contending for that freedom. That's what he paid for. It's exactly what what he paid for. I've got the receipt to prove it. Amen. It's called the Bible. There's a lot of passages in there. You know, years ago, a friend of mine, he got into the water I'm getting a little excited. Did you notice? Okay. Because I'm with you. Will you stop doing that to me? It's your fault. Years ago, a friend of mine, he got into the water remediation, restoration business. When you have a flood and you call ServPro or one of these companies out. or whatever. Some of you have had a headache with a company like this. So have I. But uh, some of them are legit and they're great companies out there. Obviously, we need people that know what they're doing. And we were helping to put a house back together. In fact, the house had already been restored, but we felt like something wasn't right in this house. I was involved in the real estate business for many years and uh, have done a lot in that industry. And so we would run projects and whatnot, and, 
and we felt like something wasn't right at this house. And so the friend of mine, he was in this business, and I said, hey, could you come over? Because he had this really expensive piece of equipment. Now, back then, you can buy thermal imaging uh, cameras for a pretty good deal now. But back then, when they just came out, they were like, I mean, five to $10,000. And so he had this crazy expensive thermal imaging camera and the thing could see through walls. It was just awesome. He'd just probably take it out for parties, you know, like Christian parties, you know, and just look at this. I can see there's uh, some weird stuff in your walls. Uh, Anyways, you could just see like red blobs and it it was about finding heat and moisture and and all of that. Well, anyways, I know he had shown it off to me and he was waving it around, making everybody jealous one day. And, and I called him and I said, there's something wrong with this house. So he came and sure enough, everywhere he found these places of moisture, we opened the wall and it was exactly as the thermal imaging camera showed us. And I wanna tell you something. I've been a Christian for 22 years, okay? And, and I know that we come to church and uh, we are the church in fact, but we come here and we gather and we, we sophisticate our ability to talk about how okay we are. <laughs> we have a way of, of, of sort of not leading on about how we might really be right now. And, and I meet with people for a living. I mean, I, meet, I teach the Bible. That's something I do. I teach, but I also meet with people for a living as well. I do that just as much, if not more. And I'm telling you, Even good, godly, Bible-believing Christians have a lot of areas of their soul that they are not free in right now. I wanna tell you, you're free, but you haven't applied the freedom that's been paid for in that area. And part of the reason, part of the reason is because we do not see in Jesus what we need to. That Jesus is so passionate about our utter freedom that it will do something on the inside of us when we lay hold of that when we realize that he looks us in the eyes and he said, I've come to set the captives free and he's speaking to you. He's not just speaking to somebody around you, friend. He's talking to you too. You who love the Bible, you who gave your life to Jesus when you were a kid. He's talking to you and he's talking to me and he has that thermal imaging camera. And you just can't tell Jesus, I'm okay, everything's good. I mean, some of you are fine, and to the degree that you're aware, you've given it all to Jesus and you're in surrender. But there are a lot of us, and we know that's not the case. And we say it, we we show it, we put it on, but he's got that thermal imaging camera, and he's looking right in there. He is like the divine x-ray. It's what I love about the prophetic gift, because sometimes I feel like the prophetic gift can be like that divine x-ray, you know, but he only shows us in part. So never worry, like, is God showing these people all of my sin? They, they can't see all that. Just a little bit. But he wants us free. You have to see in Jesus that he wants you free. You know what that does to you? It gives you faith. It gives you, you and I faith to rise up and look at any area of bondage in our life and say, you don't belong here. Amen. When somebody comes into my office and they're bound by anything, the first question is, do you believe that God can set you free in your heart? Do you believe that God can set you free? Because if you don't, you have to start there. But you have to see Jesus in the right way. He is the one that looks at you in every situation of life with a passion 
for your freedom because he sees what's beyond the place of you being bound. Isn't that awesome? He sees our future. He sees our destiny. And sometimes we sort of just settle back into the struggle and life just becomes about the struggle to get free when freedom's already been paid for. And so we might need help to access that and apply it, but it's already available. And we, we must know that in, in the beginning. We're called to receive freedom, but we are also called to retain freedom. It's one battle to get free, but it's another battle to stay free. I found that many Christians and even myself, we initially, we get free. We walk into Jesus and man, I remember getting saved and like, I mean, he took all of that stuff out of me and away from me but those were just the biggies. Those were just the things that were hindering me from moving forward. I didn't realize that there were other things that in my sanctifying process he wanted to deal with. He wanted to put them on the table and he wanted to deal with them. He wanted me to surrender. He wanted me to learn in this life how to surrender to him, how to give things over to him, how to partner with him. Because if he didn't have any value for the process, I would absolutely 100% be perfect right now. I would have zero struggles if there wasn't some value in the process of learning how to surrender and be sanctified. But there's some value in, in that process where you and I learn to worship God with all, all of our life. And this is how we retain freedom. And we continue to live in a broken world. We face old temptations, old thoughts, old wounds, pain, and, as, and new ones as well. Often we get set free of the things of the past. We talked about that, remember a few weeks ago, freedom from your past? Well, what about freedom from the things that are upcoming in your future? You didn't plan on the freedom that we once walked in sometimes gets challenged and captivity is close behind. It's, it's kind of like, if you can picture it, it's sort of like this cage is chasing us. This incarceration of thoughts to get us to think a certain way, believe a certain way. It's, it's, it's not necessarily physical. It's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional. And we get wounded in life. A lot of it is the pain that we experience in the wounds of life. Do, do not underestimate the pain of life and how it can incarcerate your, your destiny. You remember Job, the story of Job, the one that you read uh, every couple months to make yourself feel better? <laughs> Some of you thought it was the book of Job. <laughs> I need one of those, you know. They're just flowing, aren't they? That's great. Satan came and attacked Job's life, and he lost everything except for his wife. He lost everything, even his physical health. He loses it all. The enemy takes it from him. God doesn't, the enemy does. And it says this in Job 2, 2, chapter 2, verse 13. His friends come to him and they see him a ways off and they can see that he's in agonizing pain. But look what it says in verse 13. It says, then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, no one speaking a word to him for they saw that his pain was very great. Can I tell you tonight that you and I are gonna experience very great pain in our lives? You cannot get out of it. How we process the forthcoming pain in our life. You didn't want to know this, did you, tonight? I could see some of you like, Pastor Ben, this is not faith. This is not, <laughs> this is the truth though. But you'll be bound. You and I will be bound if we don't know this is coming. He gets everything taken from him and it says that he's in very great pain. Now let's give his friends credit. The first seven days, they did really good. The rest of the time, they said a lot of horrible things, bad advice, all right? So the principle here would be, we must realize that sometimes when our friends are in great pain, we just need to be with them. 
We just need to be present. We need to comfort them. But I'm, I'm using this to say that we are gonna have very, very great pain in our lives. It doesn't mean, though, that we need to stay there. All right, just because these things happen in our lives, it does not mean that that's God's destiny for our lives. And it doesn't mean that God did it to us. Job didn't even know that there was an enemy. He didn't have a vocabulary for Satan. Not until the end of the book of Job where he realizes who God is. And he goes, I've heard of you with my ears and now my eyes have seen you. And he repented for all of those things that he said about God, realizing that it wasn't God that was doing this to him. It's very important to realize the story of of Job. The story of Job is a lot of our stories, even though it's very different. We will experience all kinds of pain in life. And if we're not careful, the freedom that we've been walking in will be lost. And now we'll be incarcerated by that pain that we're living in. Those things that have happened to us will begin to build around our lives in such a way where they will cage us. And whatever God has for us in the future is no longer available to us because we have allowed these thoughts to surround us and stop our destiny. God has called us to do some things in this life. They may not seem as significant as others, but they are in the kingdom. They carry an echo and we have to be about the Father's business. But there are things that will come to steal our freedom so that we have no effectiveness as it pertains to the kingdom of God. And we have to be aware of this. I want to share with you a passage that you, I don't know if you'd see this if you just read it and you went past it, but there's a story of Abram before he's Abraham, and it talks about his family, and his father's name is Terah, and it says this in Genesis eleven twenty six. Everybody know who Abraham is? Okay. Now listen to this story. Just listen very carefully. I just have a few more minutes left. Listen very carefully. It says, Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. He had three sons. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Remember Lot? Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his birth, in the Ur of the Chaldeans. I don't know if you see that right there. It says, Haran died in the presence of his father. Now, I want you to not read past that. I want you to think about what that would do to somebody. Okay, the text doesn't tell us, it, the grammar here is not clear, but some people even think that it's possible that his father had a level of responsibility for his death. That's why it's mentioned. In other words, sometimes the scripture gives us enough detail to wonder why it said that. Either way, we know that the son died in the presence of his father. Can everybody say pain? You think that's a lot of pain? I think there's a lot of pain. Now listen to this. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah uh, took Abram and his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. I know there's a lot of things going on here. And they went out together from the Ur of Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. Canaan is the promised land. Canaan is the promised land. And they went as far as Haran, and they settled there. Did everybody notice where they settled? They settled in a city named after the son that died in his presence. Now, if you don't read this carefully, you're going to pass this. And I'm going to read something into the text that 
I'm just going to read it in here. It says, the day, listen to this, the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. It says they set out to Canaan, but they settled in Haran. And I begin to think about this, and I, he obviously is experiencing great pain, the death of his child. I don't think the scriptures give us detail for no reason. I don't. There's no doubt that he's living out of this pain. There's no doubt they set out for the promised land. It wasn't quite known this way in those days. But I, but I just, I just want to make a comment, I, and I'm reading into it a little bit, but sometimes when you experience a very serious pain, you settle into that place, and you, you die there. And, and what I mean by that is that God has something for you in the future, God has somewhere for you to go. He has something for you to do. He has a life that he wants you to live. And your freedom in him and what he's called you to is necessary for you and I to get there. We've got to stay free. We've got to stay free. I'm not saying we don't grieve. I'm not saying we don't go through pain. I'm saying that pain cannot be the final word over our life or we will stay in the place of our pain and it will literally become the Lord of our life. So while we're in church and we're saying, bless God, Ben, Pastor Ben, I'm free. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great. Everything's good, but we go home and it's not true. And we're still living under the incarceration of the pain. It could have been a divorce. It could have been a loss. It could have been some sin that we committed. It could have been something that has happened that we didn't plan on happening even while we were a Christian. It could be some kind of oppression. It could be how we've been treated. It could be racism. It could be anything that has treated us a certain way that has come to our lives and we've experienced and that thing becomes Lord over our life and we know that God has promises for us. We know God has a place for us, but we can't get there because we are incarcerated by our pain. And I want you and I to look at our pain tonight and as much as we need to grieve it, as much as we need to acknowledge it, we've got to be able to say that it is not God in our lives. That Jesus looks with us at our pain, even the future, the things that we've yet to experience. And he says, I will not allow this to be your leader. I will not allow this to be the end. I do not want you to die here. I do not want you to put a bookmark in the story of your life here. I want you to carry this pain even all the days of your life. And I will minister freedom to you, but I want you to keep going and I want you to keep growing. And I don't want you to stay here. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, talks about the sins and the weights. It talks about the weights that weigh us down. He says, cast off the weights. Sometimes there are things that happen, pain, difficult situations in life, and they're like weights and they weigh us down and, and, and they manipulate us emotionally, even physically. And they burden us. They bring us into bondage and we live with those weights. And the Bible says, cast that thing off of you. Cast it off of you. God has freedom for our lives. 
This is no misplaced optimism, friends. I'm, I'm telling you, I've traveled, I've been to churches. I just got back from another church. You know, I was at my previous home church and I had a line of people that I prayed for again and again and again. And I thank God for the prophetic word because as I begin to prophesy, people begin to cry and the Holy Spirit gave me insight into situations that I could not know. There's no way I could know these things, but they begin to liberate people. Aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit can put those smart bombs right on that strong hold and bring that thing down so we don't stay there anymore in our lives. Aren't you grateful that God has a way of setting us free? We've tried everything, but God has a way of doing it right here and right now. The final thing, and Ryan, if you would come, I told you just a few minutes. I took a few more minutes than a few minutes. I know, I know, but I could see it in your face that you wanted me to keep going. <laughs> Let me believe it, okay? Let me, <laughs> you know, Pastor Barron, he's just on a long-winded, all right? <laughs> it's all right. I can't wait. I, I want to be 90. Like, I, I won't even be able to walk. Just wheel me up there. Wheel me up there. <laughs> Come on, just get the elevator. Come on, I'm going to talk about the freedom. <laughs> I'm not going out without a fight. Amen. All right. We're called to receive freedom. We're called to retain that freedom. But you have to be aware of what's coming so that you can stay free. I've watched too many people not live in that freedom that Jesus has offered. Now, I'm, not, I'm not discounting walking, in, walking through it. I'm not discounting grieving. I'm not discounting that it is painful. I'm just saying it's not Lord. It's Lord. If, 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 if you and I aren't dead yet, then God's not done yet. And the last thing is we're called to release freedom. And this is really part of what it's all about, isn't it? That what God does in us, he wants to do through us. We know this principle, but look at this, Psalm 84, verse five. This scripture came to my heart today. I just pray that you see it. Like whatever I'm seeing in this passage, I, I just pray that you would see it. So open your heart to this. This is what the psalmist writes. Verse five, blessed is the person whose strength is in you and whose heart are the roads to Zion. This is the place to where God has. Passing through the valley of Baca or weeping, passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. I want you to hear that tonight. Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. This is what it's like to walk through life and to experience the difficulty, experience the pain, experiencing life circumstances that you didn't plan for, that you didn't want, that you didn't want to walk through, but you didn't have a choice. And as you walk through them, the Bible talks about blessed are those whose strength is in you, not in circumstances, not in a life that I thought that I could pave for myself and make it the way that I want it to be. But blessed is the person whose strength is in the Lord, who understands that they're on a street that's laid out that's all the way to Zion. They know where they're going. And as they go and as they're on their way, they pass through the valley of weeping. And in the valley of weeping, what do they do? They make it a spring. A spring. You know what a spring is? It's a life-giving source. A spring is not like a little canteen of water. You understand? It's not like a sip. We're talking about a spring. God doesn't want you and I just to make it. He wants us to be a life-giving source. He doesn't want us to stay. He wants us to be strong. 
He doesn't want us to be held back in bondage, even the bondage and incarceration of pain. He wants us to be liberated out of that so that you and I can be ministers in the hands of the Lord, capable counselors, offering the same freedom that we have found in him to everyone else that we meet, that you and I could become springs. Don't you want to be a spring of living water? You cannot find something in God and not give it away. You cannot find something like this in God and it not just come get out of you. I mean, it's, you're going to leak, friends. You're going to leak. You find this and it's uncontainable. It might excite you a little bit. How many of you, you know, you, it crack your smile a little bit, you understand? In the valley of weeping too, right where you are. Some of you, our greatest struggles are yet ahead. We've gone through some battles. We've gone through some things but there's more to go through. But there's something greater than that, that you and I can be a spring in the midst of the very thing that is trying to bring us back into bondage. I wanna tell you tonight, Jesus looks us in the face and he says, I want you completely, utterly, totally free. What about change? What about transition? What about our age? Some of you, maybe you feel like you're aging out. You're not aging out, it's a mindset. Some of you feel like you're too young. I hear it all the time. Friends, I, these, the enemy will try to rock you. Some of you who are older, and we've gone through a transition. You have a new pastor, a young guy. Does he even care about me? Does he care about older people? Does he honor older people? What about younger people who get filled up with the Holy Spirit? I want to be in leadership. I want to be used. It's the same thing. All of us are useful, but we can't allow our mind to start telling us the opposite. Whatever season, whatever age, whatever stage, we have to learn how to humble ourselves and submit to that place and that process that God has for us, and we will be a spring. We'll be a spring. But that bondage is coming. You say, Ben, I'm really, really free. What about how you're thinking about your worth? What about how you're thinking about your place? What about how you're thinking about your family? What about how you're thinking about your fruitfulness thus far? What about how you're thinking about your situation in life, your position in life? I never thought I would be here. I never thought this is where I would be. I never thought this is what I would have. I, I thought things would be different. Don't let that become bondage over your mind. Don't let it happen. That's where the enemy's getting us. He'll incarcerate us right there. Now, uh, uh, there's a grace tonight. I believe this. There's a grace tonight to shatter all of that. Why? Because we now are in the presence of Almighty God. And those things, is, those are, that is unnecessary bondage. It does not belong. It does not belong. There's some things we got to walk through. We, we can't pray our way out. We can pray our way through it. You can't just, Lord, I don't want to go through this. He's like, I got you. I got you. We'll get through, you know. But there's some stuff we can, we can cast that weight off. You want to cast the weight off tonight? It's like the shot put, man. You just got to. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to tell you to do, but could you stand? <laughs> it's like, what's he going to tell me to do? I don't know. Let's go get some rocks outside and just toss them. I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel, I feel aggressive. I don't know. I don't know. Do you feel that in the spirit? I, I, I think the Lord can just liberate right now. And that's what I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're just going to pray that. You need that? Let's get that tonight. You need that? Let's take that tonight. Let's receive that from the hand of God. Doesn't matter what I'm saying. Let's see what God gives. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for freedom. And we speak that over us tonight in Jesus' name. We speak freedom, freedom, 
freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, freedom from the incarceration of our pain, freedom from our past, freedom from fear. We thank you, Lord. Freedom, freedom from all those things that are trying to come against us right now. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would release freedom. We're getting delivered right now in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would land in this place and there would be a new grace sweeping through us. Just sweep through our soul. All of those things, those old mindsets, those thoughts that are trying to creep back in, we pray that you would just sweep them out like a broom just sweeps out the dust. Go, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, just sweep it out right now. Thank you, God. Clean our house, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your healing in our pain right now. Liberate. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.